Bombay Church, okay, in, in, in 1912 when it was opened. And um, isn't that cool? Horses and carts. You don't get that so much these days. But it was, you know, and, and you thought the Bruce Highway was bad. Look at that, you know. Um, but we come from here to here. Now, I did a lot of digging and I found this. If you know our offices up on Curry Street, this is the Commonwealth Bank. I think, well, it was originally Commonwealth Bank and they rebuilt it in 1958. And you see on the side there, on this side over here, that's the side that's up here that we have today. So I actually found some evidence that, that our building up there was in existence at least in 1958, which is a long time ago. Was anybody here back then? Okay, good. Good for you. Um, I wasn't. But uh, we talked last week, though, about a pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night that, that led the people of Exodus. They needed to know God's provision, God's protection, God's um, uh, promises, and uh, piloting. And most of all, they needed to know His presence. You know, we can't do anything without the presence of God here. We can do nothing without the presence of God. We need God in our midst. So let me read for you. The, the verses that were given to a fledgling leader called Joshua when he was about to enter the promised land. Tell them at the back. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you said I'm too loud. Oh, okay. My, my wife always sends me signals. And, um, and uh, it's been happening all our married life. Some of them I love and some of them not so much. But anyway, Joshua chapter 1, verse 5. No man shall be able to stand before you. This is God's promise to Joshua. All the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. We need to hear those words today. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. That's even more courageous than courageous. Being careful to do according to all the law that my that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn to it from the right or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything according to what is written in it. For then you, you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. And do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Isn't that a cool promise? Imagine going into the promised land with that being spoken over your life. And uh, I want to look at that and, and, and pick some of this apart and find out what God is saying to us now all these centuries later. Lord, I pray that you would just open your word to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, they, these words were given to Joshua when he stood on the edge of the promised land. <clears throat> there he was just about to go in the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud and also the manna ceased at that point. Did you know that? God gave the people manna to eat, quails, and he had a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud to lead them and they all stopped at the Jordan. Why? Was it because God was suddenly not with them? No, it was because they entered a new season, a different time. God was with them just as he'd always promised to be, just as he always promises to be with us, but sometimes it's in a different way. So in Deuteronomy 31 verse 8, it says this, It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear. Do not be dismayed. So when you're about to take a whole country, it's nice to hear, do not fear. Do not be dismayed. I'm with you, isn't it? 
So going into the promised land didn't signify the end for these guys. It wasn't the end for the nation of Israel. It was, they hadn't reached their goal. It seemed like they reached their goal because they'd been waiting so long to get there. But this was only the start. They worked all this time, 40 years in the wilderness, and they get there, and all of a sudden, it's not the end. It's the start of something new and something much bigger. And they had to fight to get this land. Joshua and company did not come and passively settle into the land and say, oh, we'll be right here. They had to start fighting to get the land. They started with a city called Jericho, just across the Jordan River. So what happened here, if you know the story, Joshua sent some spies in. Uh, they were nearly captured. Rahab uh, managed to secret them away, and they managed to escape. And uh, then they decided to go over the river. God said to, to Joshua, this is the time. And so they, they got the Ark of the Covenant, and when the toes of the guys with the Ark of the Covenant were just about to hit the water, the, 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 the sea of, 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 rather, the river Jordan parted in much the same way they'd seen back in the Red Sea. So the first thing they encountered going into the Promised Land was a miracle, where the, the, the Jordan River was parted, and they crossed over, all three million of them or so, into the Promised Land. So Joshua 3.17 says this, Now the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. So I want to have a look this morning briefly at four things that God was showing them about himself and he shows us today all these years later. The first thing is God, God's promise. The people entered the promised land armed with the promise of God. They didn't just say, well, this is where we're going to go. Let's just make the best of it. Do you know the most common phrase I hear at the moment when I talk to people is, it is what it is. Have you noticed that? That's what everybody's saying about the whole climate out there, the political climate, the health climate. Um, they just say, it is what it is. But these guys didn't enter the promised land saying, it is what it is. They went in with a promise. They knew there was work to be done, faith to be manifest, but they had God's word. Remember that verse 7, which I just read, be strong and courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Go forward and make sure whatever you're doing, make sure it's God's will, not your own. We've got a tremendous tendency these days to tell God what he should do for us and then get mad at him when he doesn't do it. Last I saw, we should be obeying God, not the other way around. Do I hear an amen to that? So God promised Joshua again and again that if he was obedient, if he kept the book of the law or the Bible in his heart, that God would grow his ministry. In 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20, it says this, For all the promises of God find their yes in him. And that is why through him that we utter our amen to God. Yes and amen is in the person of Jesus Christ. If we place him in our hearts, then all of a sudden we will start to understand what God's will is for us. And God's given us promises in Christ Jesus to reach our community. That's why we're here. It's not because it's cheap rent or something. We're here because God's given us a promise to reach our town, to touch it, to see lives transformed. We're not here to play church, folks. We're not here to go through the motions. We are, we are here not to build our own kingdom, but to build the kingdom of God in this place, right across this town and this community. And we have to reach our hurting community with the love of God. But God's promises are dependent on obedience. If you've been disobedient again and again and again, don't blame God if the things that are promised in your life don't come true. 
You have to be obedient and to follow him, not turning to the right or to the left, as that passage says. We cannot disobey and expect God's promises and blessings to come to pass. The second thing God was teaching us was about God's past provision. Now, Joshua and the Israelites had seen miraculous provision for 40 years. They saw the plagues in Egypt. They saw the miracle of the Red Sea when the waters parted. They've seen it, seen it, they'd seen manna and quail. When they complained about the manna, they got quail. You remember those stories? Even their sandals didn't wear out. I don't know about you, but I wear shoes out fairly regularly. And these guys, they walked for 40 years and didn't, their sandals didn't wear out. And then it says in Joshua 5, at the day of the Passover, on that very day, they ate the produce of the land, unleavened cakes and parched grain, and the manna ceased from that day on. From that day on, they ate from the, pro- the produce of the land. So God's not going to stop providing miracles for us, but he's provided so many miracles for us to get here in the first place. If you don't attend this church, and I know we have many visitors today, and we, we, we want to welcome you. Thank you for coming and sharing with us. But God's done some pretty awesome things. And I want to share briefly what he's done because they're pretty awesome. There's no other word for it. Um, we had to sell our other property. We sold it to Lily House, which is a charity that we run. Uh, there's some board members here today. Kudos, Kevin. We had to sell our, our property to Lily House. And the girls are here. Um, we had four baptisms last week from Lily House. How exciting is that? Right? But they didn't have any money. And one guy wrote a check for $700,000. And, and, and so they could buy that, so we could buy this. How good is that? It's a miracle. I don't know about you, but I can't do that. That's not true. I could write it. I just couldn't honor it. <laughs> One guy wrote, wrote that, and we believe that the Lord's going to bring more. But then we, we came and we purchased this, this entire city block here at roughly half price. We bought this entire city block at a, around about what a, an upmarket house sells for in Nambour these days. Um, Incredibly, they told us we wouldn't get any stamp duty back or not much. We got $41,000 stamp duty back. Um, people have given uh, well in excess of $50,000 just as we've gone along. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, Lily House was $70,000 short because they changed the, changed the rules. The council changed the rules again. Who'd have thought council would change the rules? Never heard of that happening. But they did. And we had a $70,000 black hole we couldn't account for. And one phone call saw it deposited in our account the next day. God is in, he's in the miracle business. So we have seen God. He, he's brought us to a position that no other church on the coast has right in the heart of their community. And we are so blessed. If we cling to those promises and we remain obedient to God's word, miracles will continue to flow. So let me tell you, if you need a miracle in your life today, this is a real good place to hang out. Because miracles flock together in numbers. And we are seeing it. We're seeing people getting homes when they, they, uh, you know, perhaps shouldn't have, or it was impossible, quote unquote, to get them. We're seeing people getting incredible blessings in their life. It's because miracles congregate together because we have faith and we believe God, and God is doing amazing things. In all of my years of Christianity, I've never seen God do these things. It's exciting, but I want to look not just at where we've come from and what God has done. I want to look at this town for a few minutes. Nambour has a history. And uh, I believe that God's been preparing the way for us in Nambour. 
You see this up here? This is Curry Street. Hasn't changed much, has it? Gee, do you think? Um, Nambour has a past. Some of you have a past as well. Now, let me give you some background here. Originally, uh, Wombai and Yandina were the first ones settled because they were the, the stops for the stagecoach, the Cobb & Co stagecoach. But there was this valley in between those two towns that, that incredibly, a, a guy called Petrie, can you believe it, um, he came along and he saw this valley and he thought that would be great. The Aboriginals called it Namba, which, is, which I think they still call it Namba, you know, because when you live here, that's what you do. Um, but all of a sudden, this, this settlement in the middle of these two towns, which should have taken off and sort of didn't to the same degree, this settlement in the middle took off like a rocket, and especially so in 1891 when they, they put, brought the Brisbane to Gympie rail link. There was a, there, someone discovered gold up at Gympie, and so what they did was they put a rail link in, and the hub of it was Nambour, and all of a sudden this area exploded with people coming here. But this is where it gets exciting. Because a group of non-conformist Protestants from England's east, which was mainly Methodists, uh, Wesleyans, Presbyterians and Quakers, they were called Burgers. Um, they suffered religious, that's B-U-R-G-H-E-R. -E they suffered religious persecution and were dispersed to various places in the world. They, some went to Canada, some went to Massachusetts. Because like the pilgrims, they were looking for a place to, to be, you know, to, to be able to worship the Lord freely. And some of those guys made their way to Australia, and guess where they settled? Nambour. It's incredible. They were Bible-centered, Bible-believing, and, and holy, pious people. And um, they came to settle in Nambour. So long before McDonald's came here, we had burgers. That's incredible. Here's some of the family here. This is the Whaley's, William Whaley. He set up uh, many, and these guys moved straight into business. Almost every business in town was planted by these Christians who came out in the late 1800s. So families like the Whaley's, the, the Bureys, the Lowe's. This is Lowe's Street down here. The Perrins. Anybody know a Perrin or two in the place? Yeah, the Perrins were part of that first. And another, a little bit later, they were joined by another group of Puritans called the Lanhams. Ever heard of those guys? the mighty tensers so this is incredible history here they formed the first wesleyan church here in 1884 in in a home and these families became the backbone of an spiritual uh business and social life so did you get that the history of this place where we are seated today is that pilgrims from the other side of the world came here seeking freedom they came right here and they brought with them a promise and a heritage that we share right now. It's no, it's no mistake, it's no coincidence that we are moving into this place because this was a safe haven to worship God in purity and love. This town was established by Christians, folks, and Christianity. It was built on the principles, on biblical principles this town was built. You wouldn't know it today, but that's our history. And that is our future as well. When God makes a prophetic promise, He doesn't take it back. When He speaks it out, it's forever. Even if you don't see it now, it's coming. Another prophetic promise. Let me give you this one. This is not specifically for Nambo, but it's for our nation. Portuguese sailor Captain Pedro Fernandes de Quiros. 
I probably said that badly, I'm sorry. <laughs> He's Portuguese, not Spanish, so yeah. He stumbled over Australia in 1606 and he prophetically called our country Terra Australis del Espiritu Santo, which means, you know it, the great south land of the Holy Spirit. He spoke those words prophetically over our nation. Have we seen it come to pass yet? No. But does that mean it won't? Not a chance. Those words were spoken out and God says in Isaiah 55:11, So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to be empty or void. It will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Those words were prophetically spoken over our nation and our town. And I believe that they stand true and will so to the end of time. God's word is never revoked regardless of the circumstances we see. Now, okay, I admit it. Australia looks like it's not going to move into that. But as I, I, I said to, we were interviewed for the newspaper and, and they asked us how, how we'd survived in COVID. Everybody seemed to have setbacks. And we said to the lovely reporter there, a setback is just a setup for a comeback because that's what we believe is going to happen. You know, I'm not frightened of all this COVID stuff. I'm excited because our people are a mess. What a great time to be alive and serving Jesus. When we have the answer and they have all the questions. We are, all of us, our homes, our families, we are destined for so much more. We are in a prophetic city, in a prophetic nation, holding on to a prophetic promise from God. We were destined to be a stronghold for the people of God in this nation. That's what our town's about. And let me ask you a question. Why can't revival break out in the home of Christianity? Right here. Why can't it? It absolutely can. And God's promises stand secure forever. It's no coincidence that you're here today sharing this with us. I just think of that verse in Esther, where Esther is told these this words, Esther 4.14. If you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come into the kingdom for such a time as this. We stand on the brink, folks. This is history happening right here that we can get out of this right in downtown Nambour, that we can reach out to our community. And I believe that God's led us here and led you here today. I believe it's time for us to, as those first Puritans did, to make a stand for holiness and godliness in our town. If you walk out there, you'll see a lot of ungodliness. But I believe we need to stand for what is right and true in our society, for what, what is holy and what is God. I'm sick of trying to base what we are doing on a government decision. We are here because God spoke prophetically into this place and we need to go forth with His standards. Do I hear an amen to that? Here's a few more photos coming along. Uh, you'll probably enjoy some of these. Look at this. The Bullock train right there in the middle of Curry Street. Isn't that cool? There's another Bullock train. Before we had trains, we had bullock trains. Who remembers this? Come on. Remember the, remember the traffic stopping while the cane train came down the tracks? I tell you, this is, this is some fantastic stuff. And this, do you know what this is? This is Centenary Square. That is the railway station. 
You know that road that goes around the... That's it. So next time you go to catch a train, I'll expect you all to dress like this. <laughs> just to kind of fit in. Isn't it amazing to see our history up there like that? Isn't it incredible? We live in a town that is destined for greatness. And just because we haven't seen it yet doesn't mean it won't happen. The third thing, God's present presence. Last week I talked about God's presence, how we need the presence of God in our lives by the Holy Spirit. Well, the Israelites knew they had a destiny and they crossed the Jordan and they were ready to fight for the promised land. But God knew and Joshua knew that they needed to be reminded of their past. How many of you know this? We need to be reminded sometimes of our past, the past blessings and all the, all the great things that God has done. So Joshua 4 verse 8 says this, And the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan, according to the number of tribes of Israel, and they carried them over to the place where they lodged and they laid them down there. Why take 12 stones out of the middle of the river? Well, in verse 21 it tells you, And he said to the people of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in time to come, what do these stones mean? You can tell them about the miracles of God. We need to remember that, don't we? Because we're strengthened by past miracles in our present day. Ignite is a great place to see miracles of God. We're seeing them all the time. And we're reminded of the incredible blessings that he has for us still to come when we look back and we see the amazing things he's done in the past. People said to me, are you frightened? Are you scared to move into Nambour? I said, not a chance. Look at all these miracles. How can you be scared? God's, God's brought incredible things our way. So how do we do this? Well, I head back to that passage that, that God gave Joshua. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. It says this, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you'll be careful to do everything that's written in it. Then your way will be prosperous and successful. You can experience God's presence every day. How? By the Word of God. When you put this stuff in your life, when you put this stuff in your heart, God does amazing things. Just this week, we were praying uh, about a particular situation. I shared it with our, our prayer team um, earlier. And God spoke directly from the passage I happened to be up to in my d daily Bible reading plan. That's God. And it spoke directly into that situation. God does this all the time. He leads us and guides us by His Word and His presence. But He also, you can sense His presence when you get together as the family of God, can't you? You can feel Him in the room now. When we were worshipping, you could sense God all over you because He's here. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, Let us consider how we may stir one another up towards love and good works, not neglecting meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. When I talk to pastors, even in our town here, they're all saying lots of people who used to come to church aren't coming anymore. They're, they're neglecting meeting together. And, and COVID was just a convenient time to sort of drift away and do something else. We've seen it here too. But I'm telling you, God still has a plan for the church and for fellowship. The fact that we can gather together, we can encourage one another and stir one another up. Now, you can be a Christian if you don't go to church. You can. But you miss out on an incredible part of the journey of Christianity. You know, sharing it with people who love you 
who are, who are in your corner, who can encourage you and speak God's word into your life. There is a purpose for us meeting together. It's not just to fill seats. We are here because we want to encourage one another and worship the Lord together. So many today have been hurt in church. And um, Ross and I were talking earlier. We, the, the word we came out was dislocated. I don't know if you're familiar with the word dislocated, but I have dislocating shoulders. They're really unpleasant. Um, old football injury, that sort of stuff. But I've had, a, I think each shoulder's been dislocated about 50 or 60 times. I, can, I know this really well. And dislocations hurt like mad. And you can't use the thing when it's dislocated. It's just like, you know, um, and, and it's so hard to use. And that's what it's like. If, if you're a Christian and you're not attending church, that's kind of what it feels like. It feels like you're dislocated. It's not that you're not a part of the church. You're still attached. You're still, you're still you know, joined, but you're in pain. And, 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 you know, and you're, just, you're not functioning the way that God wants you to function. We want to be a church that embraces those who are dislocated and heals that because there's so many around. And on behalf of leaders gosh, right across this coast and in other places, I want to apologize for some of the things they have said and done to you and say you, this is a place of safety and a place where we want to encourage you to be a part of what God is doing. You may have had a bad past church experience. I know I have. There have been times that I've said, oh my goodness, I really don't want to be here. I want to quit church. But Ignite's not like that. We want to encourage you. We want to speak into your life with faith and to walk through tough times together. And if you have a dream, we want to help you reach it. That's the presence of God. You can find Him in the Word of God. You can also find Him in the hearts of those who gather together and who love you. The fourth thing is God's pathway ahead. When Joshua and the gang entered the promised land, they had a vision. God had given them divine promises and a vision of taking the land. So the first city was Jericho. So they rock up to Jericho and it has this enormous, um, you know, wall around it. How are they going to get through that? Joshua 6. The Lord said to Joshua, See, I've given Jericho into your hand. It's king and it's mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city. All the men of war going out to the city at once do so for six days. So, okay, here's the city. We want to take this, we want to win this battle, we want to t- capture this city. What do we do, God? I want you to march around it in silence for six days. That's weird, is it not? We could, they couldn't even make a noise, they had to march around in silence. Then on the seventh day, they were to shout, to blow trumpets, and now Jericho, with this huge insurmountable wall around it, when they shouted, the walls came down. Notice that they were obedient to God. Six days of marching around in silence. I think the people of Jericho are going, what's wrong with these guys? I can see them in there tweeting their friends. These guys are idiots. What are you talking about? But the, the Israelites didn't complain. They didn't get on Facebook and whinge about it. They just were obedient. Then on the seventh day, verse 20, so the people shouted, the trumpets were blown. As soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout and the wall fell down flat. And the people went straight up into the city and captured the city. We face walls and barriers here in Nambour. We really do. There is resistance. There, we put it out on Facebook that we were, we were moving to Nambour. And someone complained, as they do, and said, Ah, oh, a church in Nambour. There goes the neighborhood. And we said, Yes, straight towards God. That's where it's going, straight towards God. You know, 
We're not here to rain on people's parade. We're not here to take life. We're here to give them life and life to the full in Jesus Christ. See, God, we, we don't come in here randomly. God's given us a vision. And He will roll out the right strategies as we go along, even if they seem weird. I know there'll be right strategies. We have a motto, which is real people, real community, and real God. And that is what we're about. We want to be practical about this. We want to be real people, not fake ones, but real ones. We want to be real people who reach out in a practical way to a hurting community with our community of love and show them, introduce them to a real God. That's what we need in our nation right now. Our world is a fearful, hopeless, lonely place for many. But in the midst of all that, I believe that we have a message of hope. Isn't it incredible? We have been praying for years for breakthrough in our nation. Maybe we've got to break down before we break through. Maybe our nation's got to break down and, and see their need. We've always been the lucky country. Oh, everything's great here. We don't have all the problems the other guys have. Well, yes, we do. Yes, we do now. We've got all those problems and then some. The rest of the world's looking at us thinking we're being taken over by communists. You know, this is, this is real. This is what's happening here. Our world is a lonely, miserable place for many, but we have a message of hope. That is our vision. We're not here to take Nambal by force of arms, which is what uh, they took Jericho with. We are here to shine the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ into our community because you can't fight people into the kingdom of God, but you can love them in. You can pray for them. You can believe for them to come into the kingdom of God. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for us to stand for our destiny. It's time we stood up, you and I, all of us together, to stand in the gap for our people and for our destiny, what God has done here. We've just crossed the Jordan River, figuratively speaking, and we've entered the promised land, but now we are here to fight in the spirit for this town and for this nation. Ephesians 6, verse 12, you know it well, says this, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood or counsel, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand firm. We are getting attacked out there in the press. Have you seen it? There's a lot of anti-Christian stuff going around at the moment. We've been blamed for all the ills in the world. But I tell you that that is just a great opportunity to stand up and shine the light of Jesus Christ into people's life. Instead of getting down about that, let's get up about God. As we stand firm in this place, we carry within us, I believe in this, in this place here, we carry within us the seeds of revival. This haven, this beachhead, this, this center for Christianity in our nation that is our town that is our heritage, our history is here. This hinterland region is here because this is where Christianity was planted on the coast here. And we have a destiny to live out. God spoke it. He hasn't taken it back. And we are believing for a long-awaited revival in Australia. Is anyone with me? Because I want to see us become what God called us to be. 1 Corinthians 15, 8, 58 says this, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor for the Lord is not in vain. We will labor here, but our labor will not be in vain. So this morning, I want to finish up. We're going to have cake and coffee and stuff afterwards, and that's, that's great. And we hope you stick around and connect with people and, and have some fun. There's lots of eating places here. 
in, in, in and around the town. But before we do that, I want to challenge each and every one of you here to rise up into your destiny here at Nambour, the birthplace of Christianity on the coast. Long ago, godly men declared that this was God's place. This was God's town. And I reckon it's time we took it back, don't you? I reckon it's time we went out there on those streets and took those streets back. I'm sick of hearing people say, oh, it's full of homeless people. We're all homeless, folks. We're not home yet. We've got a home we're going to. We're not home yet. We're all homeless. There's families hurting like crazy out there. In some of those beautiful homes you see around our area, it is wall-to-wall hell in those places. They need a saviour. The people on the streets out there, they need a saviour. People who've, who, who, who maybe were walking with God before and have drift, drifted away, they need a saviour. And I boldly declare that this is still God's town. And we are still God's people. And we will obediently follow His promises. Why can't revival start here in Nambour? Why can't it? It's the perfect place to do it. So today, we stand boldly shoulder to shoulder and we declare, as Ephesians 3 verse 20 says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think according to the power at work within us. Whatever we think can happen in this, in this coast, right across the coast, he can do more than that. He can do exceedingly abundantly more than that. But we have to realize that we have a role here. Yes, we've arrived in Nambour. Hip, hip, hooray. Let's have a cake and a coffee. That's brilliant. But the work starts here. The fight starts here. And I believe if we are going to see revival in our nation and in, in our city, that we need to stand together in unity and we need to fight in the heavenlies. We need to pray and believe God that God is going to transform our town. I look forward prophetically to a day when the whole of Australia is saying, what in the world's going on up there in the Sunshine Coast? That we will once again be the Bible Belt. They used to call us that. They don't anymore. They should. It's coming back. I believe God has a destiny for us. So where does it start? 2 Chronicles 7.14. You know this one well. But this is prophetic to us and our people at this time. If my people... Not if the government, not if the council, not if the, the people on the streets out there, not if the schools or the, or the charities or anything. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Then it says this, now my eyes will be open and my ears will be attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. God wants to heal our land terra australis del espiritu santo what a better way to finish our first service here than for me to challenge you to join us and join with our leadership and join with our people and together declare that we we have the hope we have the answer to our nation's ills right now they've created a climate of fear out there with this coronavirus stuff i tell you we need a climate of hope and it starts with the people of god on their knees saying if my people will humble themselves and pray and cry out to me. Our nation needs it. Our nation is desperate for the love of God and the goodness and the hope of God. It is a dry, thirsty, sin-soaked, depressed people out there right now. And we need to reach them. As was said to Esther, and who knows whether you've not come into the kingdom 
for such a time as this. I invite the worship team back on stage. We're going to finish with a song. But I want to challenge you folks. I believe that we need to respond to what God is saying to us this morning. We're not here to play games. We're not here to play church. We want to make a difference. This is a town of great destiny. That's why we're here. This is a nation of great destiny. We've never seen it, but it's coming. I want to read for you the actual transcript of the words spoken over our nation in 1606 by Captain Pedro Fernandez de Guios. He said this, listen to these words, because this is a prophetic word if ever there was over our nation. This is prophetic. And this applies also to our town. Listen to this. Let the heavens, the earth, the waters with all their creatures and all those I have present here witness that I, Captain Pedro Fernandez de Quiros, in the name of Jesus Christ, hoist this emblem of the Holy Cross on which Jesus Christ's person was crucified and whereon he gave his life for the ransom and remedy of the human race. This guy was a Christian, folks. On this day of Pentecost, 14th of May, 1606, I, listen to this, I take possession of all of this part of the South, as far as the Pole, in the name of Jesus, which from now on shall be called the Southern Land of the Holy Spirit. And this always and forever to the end that all natives in all the said lands, the Holy Sacred Evangel may be preached zealously and openly. Evangel, the message of the gospel may be preached zealously and openly. Take that, government. I'm sick of being told what we can't say. Why don't you stand up and we're going to sing together?